FMC has your back with six trusted tools to protect your potato crop, from emergence right through desiccation at maturation. FMC products help you on your way to higher yield and superior quality. The FMC Potato Products Portfolio. Lots of options, one destination. Hi, my name is Derek Cluche, and I'm the editor of Potatoes in Canada. And on this episode of Tuber Talk, we're talking with Victoria Stamper, General Manager of the United Potato Growers of Canada, who is going to share with us some insights into the upcoming growing season and some thoughts on what she sees for growers in 2023. Welcome to the podcast, Victoria. Thank you. Glad to be here. All right. Well, let's start off right away with what do you see as far as supply and demand for the upcoming growing season? And can you give us an overview of what you're seeing right now and maybe what you are predicting for the upcoming season? Certainly, certainly. Yes, it's been an interesting season both last year and this year. Um, Very tight crop overall. Um, Greatly impacted. Canada wasn't so bad, but greatly impacted by some shortages in the U.S. So it's been a good export opportunity for Canada this this season. So that's been good. But um, that was, you know, due to a reduction of acreage in Idaho, um, a close to 25,000 acres, which was a big chunk. They um, tended to have what some people refer to as a flex pile of potatoes that they grew extra and they really cut that back. So that's particularly in the russets, but overall potatoes are, are quite tight across North America. Last year for the growing season, we'll start with like 2022 uh, for for into the storage crop, which we're we're into shipping, obviously still right now. It was quite a roller coaster of weather last year, so very delayed planting in several provinces. So BC, uh, Manitoba, with the flooding in Quebec, it was also very cold, and New Brunswick I had very cold, rainy springs, which really delayed planting up to two to three weeks in some places. How what happens from there is is through the growing season. Obviously, that impacts the yields long term and and the two you know the tuber size and set and et cetera. So then, once planting got done, May and June were actually turned out to be beautiful weather wise uh, across the country. So the crops really rebounded. People were feeling a little bit more positive, and then we hit late July and August with some really hot hot weather, uh, particularly in Ontario, which is not as irrigated as some of uh, the other provinces. So, you know, that did impact again, the sizing up of, of the potatoes. It sort of stops the potatoes in their tracks as they try to protect themselves, protect the plant, uh, with that hot, hot weather. So those high temperatures extended right into harvest well into September and October, as I'm sure you, you felt the, the nice weather, <laughs> so to speak. Right. But that also impacts harvest in terms of, you know, that the ground's too dry. It's tough, to, you know, it's tougher to get the potatoes out without, you know, causing damage or bruising, et cetera. People were kind of pushing off, using that to their advantage to push off their harvest as much as they could to get that to, you know, sizing and, and good profile on the potatoes. So at the end of all of that roller coaster, most provinces were quite happy with what they got out of the ground. So People are actually to get able to get everything out of the ground that they were pl- they had planted, but we did see reduction in production due to some lost acres early on. So, as I mentioned, Quebec, New Brunswick, BC, and Manitoba had some seed rot early on. So there were some abandoned acres due to the flooding and the rain and the cold. So the crops were a little bit lower, but Alberta fared very well. PEI fa- fared very well, and Ontario ended up with 
a shorter crop, but a decent crop in terms of protecting their chip industry. So um, they didn't do too badly. Saskatchewan did very well for their seed industry. They had an excellent crop. So uh, things overall started off pretty, <laughs> people were pretty down in the spring, but by the end of it, uh, pretty happy with what came out of the ground. Overall production was fairly flat to last year, but last year was was a large crop as well, particularly in the east. It looks like it's not a big increase year over year, but if you look back to a five-year average, well over and probably the highest potato pr- production in you know a decade, easily, if not more. So uh, a good potato crop in Canada overall. And the same weather patterns, et cetera, impacted the U.S., so they were ending up with lower than trend line yields. And with that reduction of acreage, particularly in Idaho, um, ended up with a fairly tight crop. So all in all, the storage crop was good. It's been storing well. Uh, the quality is excellent. But people are are managing that crop closely. Um, last year, we ended up with that shortage in the transition between old crop and new crop. And people are a little wary about that happening this year. So you know, they're keeping an eye on their crop shipments have been great. Demand is good. They're just making sure to protect, you know, existing customers, contracts, et cetera, to, to uh, keep that crop moving right through the summer. Perfect. Some good news in there. That's great. Yes. Um, yes. Very so good, how, good. how, if at all, do you think this year's potato market might be different from the past year or two? Well, I mean, we can't, oh, we can't count on Mother Nature, obviously. We don't know where that's going to go. The spring doesn't seem to be quite as bad. It is, you know, still cold in a lot of areas. Snow on the ground in Quebec, snow on the ground in Alberta, Manitoba still. So people are still talking delays, but nothing doesn't seem to be quite as serious as as last year with those delays. BC is already into planting their early crop. Ontario, the Leamington area, Southern Ontario also, and south of Montreal, um, some of the, some of the growers are in the are getting in the ground. And PEI, there's a, a couple of small early growers that are are already breaking ground. So the early crop is going in, so that's good. Storage crop won't be for another few weeks, but so we'll see how that goes. I think the biggest impact we saw last year, and that will continue to impact this year, um, that I didn't talk about earlier was the increase in input costs. So huge spikes in input costs last year uh, with the you know situation in Ukraine, et cetera. It really impacted fertilizer costs, transport costs. All of those things happened when that invasion started. And we saw that last year. So last year's crop was one of the most expensive potato crops that went in the ground due to all of those issues. And that continues. You know, those prices haven't gone down. They've stabilized a bit. Inflation is starting to stabilize, but we still fight with labor shortages like many other industries. And, you know, fuel costs and fertilizer costs are are still quite high. So, you know, people are looking at their planting intentions now and have been for the last month or so. And, Last year, we saw also a spike in alternative crops. So I could look at wheat as an alternative crop and say, "Mm, am I going to plant potatoes or am I going to plant wheat with such high prices, lower costs to planting the crop? Perhaps I'm going to switch to an alternative crop. So there's a lot of talk about that. But, you know, once you're invested in a potato farm and a potato crop, it's there's a high switching cost. You know, there's a lot of investment. There's a lot of equipment, et cetera. So it's not just all switched like that. But, you know, there there have been some thoughts of that. So right now, in terms of moving forward, most people are talking for their planting intentions that acreage will remain fairly flat. 
we don't see any big increases in acreage for fresh potatoes. There might be some for the processing. There continues to be expansion uh, for processing potatoes. Kane just announced a huge investment in Alberta and their Coaldale facility. Yeah, you might have heard that. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. So exactly. So, you know, will people switch from fresh to processing? You know, it depends on if the, you know, processing potatoes are contracted. So it depends on how those, those contracts go. Yeah. So we'll see how that, you know, pans out moving forward. Uh, seed for the first time also, because there was a tight seed crop last year, is seeded for the first time in decades is actually a, a barrier to expansion. So it's one of one of the barriers, land costs, interest rates, et cetera, availability of land and availability of water all impact the the possible expansion of acres. So right now, um, you know, things are plugging along. Things seem to be a little bit more positive, I think, than this exact time last year, let's say. Um, and, and people are looking forward. Pricing in the market on the pricing side of it, of what growers are getting for their crop is, you know, fairly stable and in, in a good place. So, you know, it is attractive and it's a good time to be in the potato industry, I think. Great. Um, I'm sure a lot of those difference come down to what what region you're in as well. So looking at some of the different hotspots for potato growing across Canada, uh, Alberta, Manitoba, Quebec, New Brunswick, and of course, EI, are there any particular insights that you might have for for each of those specific regions, like the status of planting to date, you mentioned like labor or labor shortages might be different in Alberta as it is in PI. So are there are there any insights you might have that might help growers in those specific regions? Yeah, I think the the labor shortages and the input costs seem to be pretty much across the board. They really, all the growers I speak to across Canada are talking about the same same issues. I think it comes down to, like I mentioned, water availability. So provinces like Saskatchewan and Alberta have a great deal of irrigation and better water availability than, for example, Manitoba. So Manitoba has works with aquifers and the aquifer and different water supplies. And uh, so that's a limitation for them. Ontario, again, example is maybe I, I shouldn't quote the exact number. Ontario Potato Board can correct me, but um, let's say 50% irrigated. So much less irrigation in, in a province like that. So um, they get greatly impacted by Mother Nature. If it goes dry and uh, we don't get the precipitation we're looking for, then you know a province like Ontario or somewhere less irrigated uh, might have an issue with with that move. You know, potatoes need a lot of water, so that's an important issue. PEI is doing wonderfully. They've had a great, uh, a, a milder winter, good spring so far. They they did last year as well. Had a great crop. Um, I think things are shaping up. You know, touch wood and Mother Nature aside, um, shaping up for for a good crop out there. I think they're still keeping an eye on fertilizer costs and and that sort of thing for for them. PEI is still struggling with, you know, the ministerial order um, that they cannot move their seed potatoes across Canada. So, you know, that's something that definitely impacts their industry. And and we're still waiting to see where things will go with that. There have been a lot of meetings with CFIA and how they can move things moving forward. And CFIA is, is working hard with USDA as well and, you know, making sure that those things are good to get their potatoes moving. So yeah, and BC is already into their planting. They're having a much better spring than they did last year. They started planting, had some cool weather. They've had some cool weather in the last week or so. So 
you know, they, they, I get updates every week and it's sort of like, oh, things are great. Oh, it's now delayed. And so that's the thing with potatoes and, and any agricultural crop I'm sure is, is, you know, it's great. It's not, it's great. It's not. So, you know, they, they have to deal with that for the most part. And then you get the sector. So Saskatchewan is very much a seed potato province, for example. Alberta is very much focused on processing potatoes. Ontario as well. Quebec has a mix of everything. PEI has a mix of everything. So they have their different focuses in terms of varieties and uh, where they're planting within the province. So you have, you know, northern Quebec is very good for seed and, and that area. And then down you know, more Southern is, is the early potatoes south of Montreal. And so you, yeah, within a province, you also have regional differences as well. Yeah. BC Hope that answers your question. I'm not sure. I, yeah, know. no, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, weather, weather has a lot to do with that. And BC always seems to benefit from getting those nice early springs. I'm a little exactly. bit jealous with that. <laughs> and it's funny last year, like, and this year as well, the extreme. So PEI and BC seem to really be enjoying this nice coastal weather. And, and yet, New Brunswick right next door is is more similar to Quebec weather, you know, right. so it, it's interesting how, yeah, it really impacts. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully no hurricanes go through PEI this year. Exactly. I didn't mention <laughs> that. I mean, they had a great growing season and r- like literally three days before harvest, they're planting harvest that Fiona goes through. And it was sort of like, oh, my gosh. And they ended up actually only losing like two days. And it really was more about the trees that had fallen in fields and obviously a loss of electricity. And and that was the first thing. And then just getting to the field, the trees were in the road, the trees were in the field. And and so they they did lose some time, but the crop came out really well, despite all of that. Not to be too punny, but they certainly weathered the storm. They did. (laughs) (laughs) All right, moving on to uh, like a a marketing question for you. When When it comes to marketing, specifically how growers market their businesses, what advice can you provide to some listeners on how to best market their product? Okay. Well, I will say, I just want to preface it with um, CPMA, which is Canadian Produce Marketing Association, really exists more to, to deal, you know, work with growers and, and that type of thing on the marketing. Okay. We at UPGC don't necessarily get into that to any great depth. I mean, we we talk with growers about it, whatever. Mm-hmm. I can offer my personal thoughts and and in working in the industry and and being in the industry over the last year. So some of the trends I've seen revolve around talking about nutrition and nutritional value of potatoes. When like the Atkins diet and all those fads, no carb, low carb, the potato took a beating because it's seen as a starch. It's it's lumped in with everything else bad for you. So in, in terms of starch and whatever. And yet people forget it's got more potassium in a potato in a potato than a banana for example. And I pulled out, was pulling out some stats earlier and, and more uh, vitamin C than a tomato. And even I want to make sure I get two, three grams of protein per serving. People forget that there's protein in a potato. So I think focusing, refocusing, and and we're going to try, you know, we try to do what we can, but you know, there, as I said, there are other, and the provincial boards do a great job of doing that marketing individually as well in each of their provinces. But yeah, talking about nutrition, adjusting packaging sizes in response to change of consumption of potatoes. So families on the go, um, Gen Z, 
they don't necessarily want a 10 pound bag of potatoes with all this leftover. They want their little package sizing that they can make one meal. That's it, you know, right. move on. So we've seen a lot of more. You can charge more for the little packaging as well. <laughs> yes, I didn't want to say that, but thank you very much. Yeah. For doing that. Um, so exactly. So we've seen a change. We've seen that trend and, you know, people paying attention to that as well. Also, you know, the retailers do a lot of that marketing as well. They do a lot through private label. So when the potatoes are going, you know, you've got growers, you've got packers, and you've got growers who pack as well. So um, it's a little bit different about who's doing the marketing. Some of the growers who just grow and send out their potatoes don't get as involved in this frontline marketing as maybe a packing shed might. But the packing sheds are also impacted by the retailers in Canada. And they do a lot with their private labeling and, and that type of thing. So it's working with the retailers as well to influence what they're doing. But also, um, you know, there's a lot of studies that show if potatoes are in a basket of groceries, it's going to be a bigger basket of groceries overall. So <clears throat> working with local grocery stores and, you know, we have the big chains, but some of the local grocery stores on hey, you know, promoting the potatoes within store and helping them with their displays and, you know, that type of thing of of working with the, the smaller retailers directly and and just helping them remind them that a potato is good to be out front in their produce department. You know, if people are picking it up, they generally pick up a larger basket of groceries overall. So anyway, those are some of my thoughts of some of the things I've seen uh, in the in the time I've been in the industry. So yeah, no, perfect. And it's very helpful. So back to more what the UPGC kind of concentrates on. Is there anything that you guys have coming down the pike that you'd like to share with listeners? Any events or initiatives that you're excited about? Yeah, sure. I, and I wanted to, we didn't get into it maybe in the beginning, but uh, for those that don't know United Potato Growers of Canada, we are um, a nonprofit organization. We've existed since about 2006 following the the setup of United Potato Growers of America. So they're our sister organization. We deal with them and I'm on a call with them every week and uh, another supply and demand meeting once a month. So we're in regular contact. So we have a good feel of the market in North America because we all impact each other. And our objective really is to collect, analyze and communicate data about the potato market. So supply and demand with obviously the intention that the growers can make good decisions about their crop by understanding what's going on in other provinces, what's going on within their own province, uh, what's going on in the other sectors between, you know, we're we're originally more of a fresh oriented organization. So fresh or table potatoes, the ones that are going into store being packed in bags and stuff. But there's the processing sector. So the potatoes that are going into the McCain's and the Cavendishes of the world and also the seed sector because we all impact each other it's we always work with the philosophy one big pile of potatoes so if something's happening in fresh can impact processing and vice versa so if we're short in one sector we're going to pick into the other sector and vice versa or an oversupply can move one back and forth and we want to keep you know the market as stable as we can you know with what by giving people that information so we're actually one of the things uh, that I've been working on since I started last year was getting our members back in. We, New Brunswick, Saskatchewan, and Ontario had left the organization. They're all now back. I'm really happy to say. So we're truly a national organization now. All our provinces are in. And now I'm really focused on improving our data collection. So I'm working with StatsCan and Ag Canada with all of us with the same goals, I suppose, of making sure that we can get the right data on a timely basis 
and not pester the grower, so to speak, you know, so we have sometimes multiple agencies contacting the growers for what they think is the same information. So, you know, there's a little frustration there. So we're working together to try and find a good solution to get good data for, for the industry and publish it well. StatScan has a very good reputation, you know, within North America and nationally to provide good data. And we want to make sure that 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 still happens, particularly in the potato industry. So that I'm kind of really excited about, you know, looking at trying to get more real-time data. So, you know, we've been discussing whether an app would be the way to go and, you know, will growers participate? Will they like that? You know, because a lot of times they get a call from StatsCan, they're in their tractor in the field, you know, if they have their phone, they can go on when they want and, and do those things. So, you know, we've discussed those options. Um, We'd like to see it broken down right now. It's all, fresh potatoes, let's say. We want to see it by russets, reds, yellows, for example, so that we can look at trend lines, where we're going. We're seeing, we're actually seeing red production on the decrease and on the decline and yellow uh, varieties on the increase. So, you know, looking at those trends and seeing um, how they're going to go moving forward and be able to do with all of that data in the database, do some projection models of, okay, what will be the transition from, for example, old crop to new crop, you know, at this shipping rate and based on historical data and and that type of thing, which is what UPGA, our sister organization, is able to do right now. So that's really kind of what I'm focused on. Event-wise, we did our, we've done two partner seminars. We work with each province and we'll go in and do a partner seminar where we have speakers. We bring all the growers in and gives um, them a chance to see different speakers. Some of our sponsors get an opportunity to, to be in front of the growers. So we had one in PEI, we've had one in Manitoba. Um, and right now I'm looking, we, Quebec will probably be in the fall. Alberta might be in the fall as well. So, you know, working with them, I've done one by Zoom in, with BC so that's an you know an exciting event for us to uh, really get growers to get together in a room and and have discussions with people and hear what's going on uh, in, in the market, not just here in Canada but in the U.S., in Europe, uh, et cetera. So, yeah. perfect. Sounds like you guys are busy and you have a lot on your plate. Yeah. Yes. Actually, yeah. It doesn't seem like it some days, but it's like wow, there's a lot there. So yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Well, speaking of on your plate, I kind of want to end this yeah. with just a fun little thing, and I almost think this is more for my own benefit because I I don't know the answers to these <laughs> little know. questions. So I wanted to get your opinion on this, like a little bit of a rapid fire round here for you, just on what type of potatoes are best for what you're cooking. So okay. when it comes to one of the most popular things, potatoes is French fries. So what is the best type of potato to use for French fries? Definitely a russet. Okay. Um, Why is that? <laughs> they're high in starch and low in moisture. So we don't want a lot of moisture when we're cooking French fries and the starch is good for it as well. So when the fries go into the grease, we, we they also have to be careful of sugar content. So if you see a burnt fry or whatever, that might be because the, there's a high sugar content and that happens over time with storage and different varieties, et cetera. So the fryers really like the russets. I won't get into specific varieties because when you go to the store, you, you won't necessarily see the, yeah, the name of it. Like a Dakota russet is right. the variety the grower will plant, but you'll just see russet potatoes. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, Perfect. That explains why I always tend to default to buying uh, yellow potatoes because I find they're good okay. for mashed potatoes and stuff. But when I make yeah. French fries out of them, like you said, I have an air fryer and I typically do see if they're in there for too long, you start to see the burnt marks on them. Yeah. And so that could be a higher sugar content, which sometimes happens over time with storage or depending on the temperature, et cetera. But also, yeah, the moisture content sometimes of a yellow potato might be a little different than, and it's a little bit lower starch than let's say a russet. Again, I'm not an expert on the, the agronomy of a potato, but definitely the russet better. And they're good. I find personally for a baked uh, potato because yeah. they have a good skin on them. And so they hold up well in baking. I mean, yellow, you can bake yellows. They just have a bit of a thinner skin than say the russet. So if you want that good potato skin, then. Yeah, which I do. I never wrap it in tinfoil. I always leave it open so that it gets really crispy. And then I take the potato out and I put butter in the skin and then sour cream. And then you eat it like that. That's great. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. Potato salad. I would off the top of my head say a red potato. They're excellent for a potato salad and most commonly used in a a potato salad. Um, They just hold up well. They're soft. They're nice. But at the same time, they hold up well. They've got a nice skin on them. It's not too thick. um, So when you're cutting it up, you can leave that skin on. It has a nice look to it with the red potato um, as opposed to a yellow. So, yeah, I I think they're pretty commonly used and, and they're a good potato for that. Okay. Soups, chowders. Yeah, so I w- this one was actually a question even for me. I, I w- in my mind went to round whites. So just a, a typical what we always used to see in the market was the round white potatoes. Those have really declined over the years as new varieties like yellows and reds and other russets have come onto the market. But they're good uh, new potatoes, fingerlings, etc. because they are a bit lower in starch and they have a lot of water in them. So when you're cooking in a soup, it doesn't absorb more water, you know, so because they already have that water in them. So they're, they're seem to be fairly good for soups and stews and and that type of thing. Okay. And last one, mashed potatoes. And I have a feeling it's going to be yellows because that's what I use. Well, actually a Yukon gold, which is technically a, technically a russet variety. Um, or a, well, I guess a yellow, (laughs) yellow russet, but yes, you could use a, a, a yellow or a russet. Um, a lot of people like the russets because it's got a higher starch and they feel that it, it works well for, I mean, the cooks could tell you why the, the chemistry behind it, (laughs) it works well for a mashed potato. So yes, yellows are good. A lot of people like yellows because they have more of a flavor to them than a russet potato, for example. So either one are good. They'll give you that good creamy texture, but some people just like the flavor better of a yellow potato. Yeah, I think that's why I default to it. I do like them in the morning, like hash browns and stuff like that. I find they work pretty well with that. So, but it looks like I'm going to have to get multiple bags of potatoes now for for different recipes. And with the the changes in marketing, but you can get smaller package sizes. So that's not so bad. You don't have to get a 10 pound bag of each if you don't want to. Although the growers would love it if you bought a 50 pound bag of each, but hey. (laughs) I'm sure they would. (laughs) Perfect. Well, thanks a lot, Victoria. This is a lot of fun. That was a lot of good information. I appreciate it. No problem. I hope I answered your questions okay and gave you some good information. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks for having me. Trust FMC products to protect your potato crop. The FMC Potato Portfolio includes Corrigin Max Insecticide for residual control of European corn borer and effective control of Colorado potato beetle. FMC. Lots of options, one destination.